You're listening to Answers from the Akashic Records, a world of empowerment service from Angel Rose and Ahanu. Okay, you're very, very welcome back. I am Ahanu and Angel Rose is answering questions about the tunnel of light and we're into part two. We're into the second half of part two, actually. And we're going to start with a question about somebody who commits suicide and the question is is the after-death experience of someone who commits suicide the same as one who dies naturally well are we keeping in mind Ahano, that all death is suicide are we okay so okay so i will i know what you mean though somebody who yeah shortens their lifespan yes. or takes themselves out yeah. consciously it might as be. opposed to somebody who slowly kills themselves through an illness and yeah. i think yeah. We do need to say this before I answer this question that we don't consider, okay, that illnesses that kill us or, you know, mm. whatever kills us, we don't perceive that as a form of suicide. Mm-hmm. But because we were talking about the construct of death earlier, it is suicide. All of it is mm-hmm. really, okay? Yes. All right. Because it's all based on doubt and fear and punishment and the forgetting of who we are, actually. Okay? Yes. All right. So let me ahead. say just before you answer that question, um, I perhaps have should have said this in the beginning, but it's about the fact that whenever we get into these sessions with Source, and we found this through all the Akashic Record sessions that we've done in the past, and we've done, gosh, almost a hundred of them at this stage, that there are answers that come at different levels, and in a way, the the degree or the level of the answer. Is based on the degree of consciousness of the question somewhat Do you know yes that's true yeah. yeah so in this question when we're talking about uh, suicide mm-hmm. for example we are talking about the 3d level of our awareness of somebody taking their own life and not perhaps having an, um, any idea of the the bigger aspect of the consciousness in the bigger scheme of things mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah all right so read the question again for me so the question is is the after-death experience of someone who commits suicide the mm-hmm. same as one who dies naturally? Well, what Source is saying is it can be. Okay, and I find that an interesting answer. Okay, because it can be or it might not be. All right. Um, and this would, is actually true of everybody. But for some people who consciously commit suicide let's say you have a person who is aware that you know they've come to a place where they say right I just don't want to be in a body anymore I want to continue to grow but I want to grow on the spiritual planes for that person it could be very liberating for them it could be something where they they're glad they're out of their body now there are many suicide people who maybe don't have that experience right away, okay? Um, I don't believe and I don't perceive that any suicide person goes to hell, let's just say, okay? I don't get, as a place where you stay forever. I don't believe that exists. All right, but well, Source is not evading the question, Ahana, but what it is saying is, look, there's so many different experiences you can't generalize that answer because some of those experiences are liberating, some of them are hellish. Just like we were just explaining 
um, before the break, okay? So what determines what that is for a person has a lot to do with their concept of themselves, uh, what they feel about themselves, what they feel about their experience. Some people commit suicide and, you know, they actually believe that they're going to be found before they die. You know what I mean? Like, yes. you know, it's more a cry for help than it is anything else. Yes. But then all of a sudden they find that they're out of their body and they succeeded at it. Nobody came for them. Yes. Okay, but we have to remember that Source always loves. Source always loves. Source always forgives. It, and when I say forgive, I mean it washes away. Source's love always washes away mistakes. Okay, it doesn't hold us to them. It basically says, all right, you know, yeah, you could have made a better choice or whatever, but it is what it is. Here you are now. Well, let's go from here. Okay? Okay. But again, we have our own internal mechanism. And that's why I'm distinguishing source from our own conscience that does our own life review and does our own assessing and our own evaluating. Because the spirit naturally wants to grow toward its higher nature. Okay, it doesn't matter how far down the rabbit hole you've gone. You may go so far down and compacted yourself to such darkness that you just don't even have a recollection of the light. You can get that low. In which case, there'll be a point where you'll just pop one day and you'll be dissolved and you'll be back to elements and you'll start over again. Okay? So you can lose the momentum you've gained as a spirit if you go so far down into density and compaction that the only way out of that is implosion. Do you understand? You can go that far. But at that, at that point, it's only the personality that has gone. The well, in any soul that you've, any soul energy that you would have accumulated, would have decreased and compacted to such a point where it implodes in on itself, goes back to the elements, and then it goes through this whole process of, now it's, it's just, it has no will of its own, it's just being pulled by forces, and it starts, it has to go down to that lowest point of element before it can come back into any sort of being a conscious being. That can happen. Right. Because, like I remind us, we build a soul. This is what people have to remember. We're not a soul, we build a soul. And we build a soul based on choices and decisions we make and how bright of a light you become and, you know, how magnificent you become in your energy and in your frequency. All has to do with the choices you make. Okay. Okay. So did I answer that yeah. well enough? Okay. You, you did because I think that answer would be of great help to those who have had uh, suicide victims, let's call them victims, and I, and I want to come back to, to clarify this in a second, in their families, let's say, and they feel that, you know, because of their religious indoctrination that, oh my God, they're, they're banished now to hellfire, you know, my son, my daughter, my father, my wife, whoever, is now lost forever. But that answer, I think, would be very reassuring because their experiences, what you say, can be the very same as somebody who who commits suicide slowly, like through illness ourselves, as we as we say. But here's the clarification that I want to come to. Uh, we have had people point out to us in the past that um, we shouldn't use the word commit suicide because that's kind of an old re ref reference 
to something that maybe had a kind of a guilt attached to it or something. Now I'm not sure and I'm not sure of what the correct terminology is. So if I, I, we certainly don't want to offend anybody by using that term, it's not our intention. But in the absence of us knowing any other words to use, we're using that. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to say also is that there are some people who take a very religious and dogmatic approach to all of this and would just be black and white about life and that if you take life, take somebody else's life or take your own life, that there is no forgiving for that, that that's just the end. And um, as we're seeing, we're, we're dealing with an almighty God that is pure love and is total forgiveness, that God always offers another chance, always gives another opportunity to realize love. Choose again, said. choose again, yeah. choose again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but I want to make the distinction, and I do want to bring it back to our own consciousness and what Source mentioned earlier. We all have this innate desire to go higher. Okay, it's in us. Yes. Okay, so it's it's kind of like, you know, and we are talking on multi-levels here, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like, let's let's just use the example for a moment of people who, we call it, they start waking up. Okay, is what's going on now. And what that really means is they start asking questions. They start to say, hey, you know, that's not doesn't feel right to me anymore, or there's something wrong with this picture. But what it is, it's it's a mechanism within them that says, hey, you know, something's coming up here. I I'm wanting more. I want more knowledge. I want more light. I want something. I'm missing something. So and then they may ignore it. And maybe another couple of years, here it comes again. Mm -hmm. This is this is our own inner spirit, higher nature self coming back around over and over, wanting to go higher, 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 you know? And and you realize that when you really start approaching the subject of source and our higher nature, we really know so little about it. And what I find is that you can't define it. The experience of that type of love it is so huge and so all-encompassing that you can only have your own brief experiences of it and you may be becoming more of it as you grow as you grow and grow you may become more and more of that love all right and but you still want to go higher you know and it's the two poles that we were speaking about so you know to judge anybody for anything we really have we don't know what we're doing we have no right to do it we have such inadequate information okay so you know what we do know is that like attracts to itself that which it is so the content of your consciousness brings to you many different experiences all right for for pleasurable or not pleasurable we all have a combination of them so we assess ourselves we judge ourselves we evaluate ourselves Okay, and source is just, yes, it is pure love and everything is already forgiven before it's ever occurred. Okay, but that won't change the fact because there'll, there'll be people who say, well, if I believe that, that I can go do anything I want, I can, I can just live my life in reckless abandon and commit murders and crimes and I don't ever have to worry because source has already forgiven me. Mm -hmm. and, and the truth is, that's true. But there will come a point where you won't be happy with that, okay? Where, wh what is redemption? Redemption is 
when somebody themselves can no longer accept the way they've been living, okay? When it's gotten so to be so painful and so devoid of love that it's intolerable. And then they start saying, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to resurrect myself? How can I be better? How can I get out of this? Okay? And when that happens, you could say source rejoices because it knows the person has turned its head toward home and happiness. But it isn't source that is going to condemn or judge or anything. It's ourselves. All right? We're, we'll only be able to tolerate pain for just so long and then we're going to want the answer. And it, it has to be so because that's what we're made of. We're made of God's spirit. So it just happens to be the qualities of that spirit that drive us toward wanting to become more like it, to be more in communion with it. Okay. Now our next question, I get Rose, is about physical immortality. And our questions up to now have been around the, the life experience leading into death and the experience after death. And when we speak about physical immortality, we're talking about no death. We're talking about continuing to live in the body for a long, long time. Or until you perhaps decide, okay, I want to exit out of this body and do something else. So where does that experience of physical immortality come into our understanding of life and death as we know it at this level of awareness? Okay, so I'm not sure I know exactly what you asked him, but I kind of think I do. So just a second. All right. So what physical immortality really is, all right, is that you, you, you come to understand that there isn't any death. All right. You understand that death is a made-up concept, and you choose to no longer believe in it. Now, that sounds very simple in a statement. But to actually be very mindful and watchful of all the things that surface in you throughout the day that are really oriented toward a death consciousness. Your thoughts, your perception of your limitations, your, you know, what you think you can achieve in your life, um, your body, the way you feel. You know, when do you go into a victim perception? When do you perceive other people as being victims? There's a lot that goes under that heading of death consciousness. Mm -hmm. So to unravel that and undo that, it's not as simple as to say, well, I'm going to choose not to believe in death anymore. Because, you know, the body is programmed to it, okay? The environment's programmed to it. We see it in the Fibonacci spiral. It's a death spiral, if we're totally honest. They go through, things go through a cycle, and we go through cycles. We were born, uh, we go through phases, we go through adolescence, we go through young adult, we go through adulthood, we go through old age and senility, and then we perceive that as that's the end. Okay? But it's because we perceive it as the end that it's the end. Mm -hmm. All right, but what would happen if we just allowed our selves to cycle through these different phases of ourselves and then we found out what's after that 
if we continue to live, what what is life like after senility in old age? Do you know? Would it recycle back again? Okay, back to a child in its consciousness, back to regeneration. We don't know because we don't ever let ourselves get there. Do you understand? So undoing this death urge is it requires a lot of conscious examination and working with ourselves on all the levels of ourselves, our body, our mind, our emotions, you know, uh, our spirit, our egos, all of that. It, it, people have done it. They have done it. Okay, there are people living on this planet now that are thousands of years old. We, we just don't hear of them. There are many people who have met those people. So we do know that, you know, we can be in the body for a while. But then you may say to yourself, well, why would you want to? And you have to understand that, you know, when you get to that point where you have a desire to keep living here, it's because you understand that you have a contribution to make to the world. And you want to be around so that you can keep contributing your service to the world. Okay, that's why you do it. It's, it actually is born out of a love for humanity and for the world. Okay? That's when you're in the correct consciousness of being physically immortal. Okay, so is it achievable? Yes, it is. You know? Many people, when they want to leave this world, I mean, how many times do, I, do we do readings for people and they, you know, is this my last lifetime? I can't wait to get out. It's because they don't have a purpose. It's because they don't remember who they are. They're, they're not moving into their higher nature, so they don't get to experience the qualities of that and the bliss of that. Life here is painful for them, so mm -hmm. they just want out, mm -hmm. which is perfectly fine. Yeah. There's no judgment around that either, okay? But we're talking about when somebody starts to become aware of physical immortality, not necessarily only because of the powers that it has with it, okay? But because it proves God's love. Just one moment now. It proves God's love. It proves that God isn't out to kill you, Okay. So physical immortality proves God's love. Yeah, it proves that God's not out to kill you, which is very important. Okay. You know, I just want to interject here that the reason we go through periods where we don't feel safe is because at some core root level we do believe God's out to kill us. Yes. I know I myself have been mad at God for a long time. Right. Yeah. And the truth is, is that God's only love. I mean, you know. But that I know that came from the religious upbringing in the belief that God was a punishing God, that if I did wrong, I would be punished. And th th this is where that came from. Mm. So, so just undoing that belief. Yeah. You know, when we go through things in our lives, let's say, let's say you apply for a job. It could be something small. You really need this job and you apply for a job. Mm -hmm. And they pick someone else. And let's say you've maybe applied for five or six jobs, and this happens every time. God's you do start <laughs> to think that I must be a bad person. Yes. There must be some bad karma here. There must be something wrong with me because nothing's working out. All right. So that's a misperception, but these are the types of thoughts that we go to when things yes. aren't, you know, we don't get what we want in our lives. Then we naturally go to, well, 
God's got it in for me. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So. But it may well be, as we now know, that this is yourself acting out your own desires. Or uh, perhaps something better is around the corner. or you're creating Something s- better could be around the corner. Or something. you don't love yourself enough to believe you deserve it. Or So mm-hmm. what I'm telling you is this death urge consciousness embodies all kinds of things yes. and it's a, it's a when you get to the place where you want to look into that you know that's that's ascension mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yes okay our next question why do we meet who we meet when we die and this question is important because many of our listeners in the past have recounted experiences that they may have had themselves through near death or from friends of theirs who would say that Oh, he saw Jesus when he died because he was a Catholic. And, you know, Muhammad saw the, uh, Muhammad because he, he was a Muslim and somebody else saw the Buddha and so on. So the question is, why do we see who we, why do we meet who we meet when we die? And that question could extend to members of your family too. Why do you meet particular members of your family and you don't meet the whole string of ancestors? Okay. Well, there's, it seems what I'm getting as an answer is there's kind of two levels to this. There are people who are near death who haven't died yet, but will have a vision of a relative in the room or, you know, somebody in the room. And that's usually designed to help them accept their death. Okay, so... It could be an appearance of anyone who makes them feel loved or safe, okay? And that's why that particular being will appear, is to comfort them, reassure them that it's going to be all right, okay, that it's safe to die, you can go ahead and let go. So sometimes that's the purpose of it, is to help the person detach, okay, on one level. And again, what I'm getting as the answer, it will be somebody that comes to them that they naturally feel comfort from or trust, okay? So you could say the same is true when you do cross over and you're met with somebody. It's really the same kind of a thing that it usually is somebody that makes the person feel safe or they identify safety with that being, okay? Now that's going to lead into is that really who it is right because remember part of this conversation was about the, is the tunnel of light a trick and in the in that belief system and, and I do think it was just to remind our listeners apparently this group called the Wingmakers had wrote, written this stuff about that the tunnel of light is a trick and that the people you think you meet at the end of the tunnel are really deceiving you they're not really who you think they are. It's all a trick. Yes. So, so let's just preface it with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, the people that you do meet after you die. All right. So let me just ask about that. Okay. Hang on. All right. Uh, see, I, I do think that the people you see, um, 90% of the time, they are people who are there to help you, okay? So that does seem to be most of it is on the up and up, okay? Now, you can have beings that appear that do take you to the 
wrong place. But, you know, I'm really not comfortable with that. Every time I re-ask that, I've been sitting here asking it over and over, I still get that that's not pervasive. Okay? I know there are people who will disagree with that answer, who, who believe that most of the beings that you see when you die are deceptions. But I'm going to give the same answer that I gave when somebody's near death and they're they're dying in the dying process and they see somebody. I, I think most of it is designed to help you feel safe and comforted, okay? Because where the deception comes in is with your own consciousness, like we were talking about earlier. What kind of a plane of existence you end up in and where you go has everything to do with your consciousness, okay? And there's, you know, we, we've heard that quote so much. In the Bible, my, in my father's house are many mansions, you know? We create a lot of those mansions with our consciousness. I've seen all sorts of planes of existence after death. So if there's deception going on, you know, or you end up in a plane that is not where you hoped you'd be, okay, it, that's the result of where your consciousness draws you, okay? Does that make sense? I think what I'm feeling from Source is Source is benevolent and it will send people and angels and beings to come and comfort you when you're leaving. Do you know? But but then you know when you have your review and you're looking at your consciousness, it's kinda of like you now your journey is your journey, you know, like they don't stay with you the whole entire time you're in the spiritual levels. It's just in that transition point where they're helping you accept what's going on and you know does that make sense i i still well, don't because yeah. i don't believe i i'm i keep asking here and i don't feel i do not feel that the beings that you meet are there to take you to hell i don't okay i mean no but what, what you're saying effectively is it's it, that experience can be as a result of your own consciousness it can be in terms of who you see yeah. Okay, but it will be someone you identify with with trust and safety. Okay, so, but then there is a place where, you know, you're on your own. I mean, you, you kind of get over mm. and you look at your review and you may have mentors or beings that help you assess, you know, and you may meet, a lot of people go to their relatives after they die. And the animals go to their relatives. I've seen that. So there, where's the deception in that? I mean, I've seen animals that die and, I I can have a, 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 a client who is grieved at the loss of a pet and you look and see where that pet is and it ran home to its mother or it ran home to its other collective animal family. Where's the deception in that? Okay. Or um, many people, when I check in on them, they're with their families. Some just spend, they meet their relatives and their families. Hey, how you doing? Great. Good to see you. Oh, missed you. La, la. And then after a time, they say, now, it's about me. Where's my soul going? And there are some people or spirits who stay with their relatives for many years, and they build a, a family and a home life like they would have liked to have, have here. I mean, I see, saw my great-grandparents after they both passed, and they recreated the same home, type of house they were living in on Earth with the same white picket fence, and they're continuing their relationship. Okay, And then there's other people who... 
They may greet the relatives and spend some time with them, and then they go off to these vast planes of learning. Some are places where angels are tending to them. Some are, you know, for long periods of time, they're being healed, they're being put back together if their template has been messed up with. And others, all they want to do is learn. And then there's people, all they care about is science. They just go to places of science. and mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, mm-hmm. you know, only... There's been times when I have seen spirits that are stuck. And usually those are people that died with the use of heavy drugs, where they're still in, in, in the anesthesia, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? I do. And they don't go through the tunnel. They're literally stuck in an astral spot because they're, they don't know what's happened. or they're, you know? So you do have those. Yeah. You know? And that's when a person would be vulnerable to you know, interference. Okay. Okay. I What I'm feeling from sources, it just really wants to caution us that this is, this is so consciousness dependent, I have to say this, that what you decide to believe about the tunnel of light is going to dictate your experience. If you're convinced that it's a trick, you'll be tricked. You'll draw that to yourself. You're convinced that that's what it is, and that's your decision. But Source just wants to remind us that what's missing here is most of us have forgotten what love is. Okay, We've forgotten our higher nature, and we will gravitate towards horrific things. And we have to be really, really diligent in our consciousness once we understand that our consciousness determines our experiences. It's not asking us to be um, foolish or, you know, it's not saying that. It's saying that when you deliberately move toward the higher nature and you start to do the, the examination, the personal examination of your consciousness, your, your discernment of energies gets better and better. It's not asking us to, oh, trust blindly that everything is hunky-dory. It's saying, no, you have to be very mindful of your consciousness. And, and the more you look at that and the more you really research your beliefs and you take a look at what you truly feel in your heart and you're honest with yourselves, your powers of discrimination get better and better. Okay? With the experience of? Being self-honest, looking at the content. You see, okay, I'll use this, and I don't want to get off the track too much, but let's just take the idea of, of blame, right? Or let's say we have a... A night where we have nightmares and we wake up and we say, gee, I was so psychically attacked last night by some entity or, you know, the chemtrails or the government or the spies. You know, they attacked me last night. The ETs came and got me. And it's not to say that those things are not true. But what Source is saying is, in order for you, don't stop there. Because the truth is, is there would have been something in your consciousness that would have been symbiotic with that experience. So sit down and write and describe that experience. Describe that nightmare. Describe what your thoughts are. And then take a look at them and say, what is inside of me, okay, that believes that? And what is it that I believe? Because if you don't take it back to yourself, you're always going to feel like a victim. You'll never know that you had a hand in creating something. 
Okay, you 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 won't have your power. You won't lose. You lose your power. Every time you want to assign an experience to something outside of yourself, you're giving away your creative powers. Okay, now people are not conscious that they're drawing certain things to themselves. They'll say, well, geez, I didn't want that to happen. There's no way I created it. But if they sit down and, and take a look at things, they'll find a commonality. Okay, it might not be exactly the same form, but the theme might be the same. And that's when they say, aha, there it is. Okay, well, now that I know and I'm more aware. And every time you're more aware, you're more aware on all levels of all kinds of energies. Okay. Okay, Angiros, um, we are running out of time and we do still have a bunch of questions. Do you want to tackle them now? Do you want to leave them to we'll further time? We'll just keep going and we'll see how far I go. I'll tell you if I'm tired. Okay. Well, in that case, let's take a quick little break. We do need to get a sup of water and we'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Angel Rosa Grady, and I'm here to talk to you tonight about the work that I've done for the past 20 years, being a reader of the Akashic Records, predominantly. I've evolved to this work through many years of meditation and uh, being taken to other worlds and found that we all have a library in spirit that contains our soul's journey through all of our lifetimes on this planet and others. Through my work, I enjoy helping other people find their soul purpose, look at their spirit, help them through their challenges, understand their relationships, and guide them to fulfill their highest soul purpose. I've written two books on this subject. One's called A Time of Change, and those were predominantly group sessions that we did when people had bigger spiritual questions for the problems in their lives, such as uh, what about the financial collapse? What about uh, 2012? What about healing? What happens when people commit suicide? Things like this that became the basis for uh, group sessions that began in 2009 and continue to this day. The first book, A Time of Change, deals with questions that happened before 2012 and some leading into what would happen after. And the second book, The Nature of Reality, deals with questions people asked about consciousness, what is God, what's the origin of creation, what, is it, what about time and dimensions, what about dreams, why do we dream, and love and miracles and topics such as that. I'm also a personal Akashic Record consultant and I'm also a business consultant through the Akashic Records. I feel these ways of going into the records and helping people in their personal lives and in their business adds an extra, extra sacred dimension to their life here. If you're interested in seeing more about my work, you can go to angalrose.com or worldofempowerment.com. Okay, you're very welcome back. I am Ahanu and Angel Rose is here and we're answering questions about the Tunnel of Light. 
And to put all this in perspective, in the previous segment, we were looking to try and complete this section of uh, questions so that we wouldn't have to go into a third segment, but that's no harm. Here we are in the third section and we're answering questions like, for example, uh, is near-death experiences different for each person? Uh, can we artificially stimulate near-death experiences? And a bunch more. So let's not waste any further time and we'll go straight into these questions and try and complete them as best we can in the time allotted to us. So Angel Rose, this question is about a program and by even talking about this and asking these questions, are we somehow inventing a program? Okay. No, because we're not attaching belief systems to it. In fact, we're we're undoing belief systems. Okay. In other words, there's been nothing in what Source is saying where it describes what your experience is going to be like in the tunnel. Right. It doesn't say, oh, when you leave your body, this happens next and this happens next. It's not setting up okay. any sort of form. Right. I understand. Okay. So, no, we're not really. In fact, we're undoing programs. Okay. And by extension, then, the next question is, in talking about anything, are we setting up a program of, of any kind? Well, that all depends on the conclusion that you come to. If you come to a conclusion, if you say, this is it, this is it, you know, you know, then there's a danger there of setting up a program. But if you're genuinely exploring with the objectivity that you're not trying to make an absolute out of anything, then you, you won't be creating a program, okay? See, it's only when you you come to a conclusion where you say, right, this is the way it is, this is the conclusion, this is the absolute truth. That's when you've created a program. Because consciousness is more, you know, consciousness or let's say um, moving up to the higher nature is more of an unfolding. It's a releasing of things that we've made absolutes. Okay, it's an undoing as opposed to a doing. Even when you read books that say, this is how the higher nature is. You've got seven chakras, you've got 15 chakras, you've got 12 strands of DNA, you've got 22 strands. You, you know, these are the planes of existence after death. There's seven of them. And this is the, we're in the fifth world or we're in the fourth world and we're going to... Anytime you read anything like that that defines things in that way, you've created a program. Right. Now, people can go and um, believe in those, mm -hmm. and therefore they'll have an experience. Their ascension of them moving, to, their experience of them going to the higher nature will go through that particular mm. pattern. Mm -hmm. Do you Haven't understand? we seen that now, uh, to bring this conversation full circle in a sense, and we spoke about the atomic bomb earlier. And when we were talking about atoms and electrons and physical matter, I mean, there was a period in our Earth lives where there wasn't anything smaller than an atom. And that was a belief system, commonly held belief system. And then when that was shattered and realized that there is something smaller and the atom could be split and so on. And then science now looking at saying that we're actually composed of nothing, of empty space. 
Mostly. Mostly. So these are preconceived ideas, conclusions that we had come to that are slowly being... Well, look at history. Yeah. Look at people like Graham Hancock who've come out and proven that the Egyptian history, the ancient civilization history, in terms of how old are we and what old civilizations were capable of. I mean, there's proof coming out all over the place that these races were intelligent, that they had technology that was more advanced than us, and yet you still have the old paradigm that does not want to allow that to come into existence. And if they could, though, imagine what a different world this would be. Okay, same thing with cancer. I mean, they're making a a crusade to kill off all these holistic doctors. Okay, why? Because they're debunking, all right, the pharmaceutical companies, the standard way we've perceived illnesses and diseases. They're coming out and unraveling them. Okay, so you can see how paradigms of belief systems and programs, you know, are in place. And look at the effect that they have. So isn't this why they burnt witches at the stake and all of that? It is. And how many people die because their doctor tells them they're going to die within a certain period of time? You know, I mean, this is what we're saying. We're what the higher nature in the higher consciousness seems to do is undo programs, okay, so that you can know a greater expansion of possibility and uh, truth and you know all of that. So, mm-hmm. okay, our next question: Are the after-death experiences the same for a fast versus a slow death? Fast, you mean like somebody who dies in an accident as opposed to someone who has an illness? Yeah. Okay. Is the experience after death the same? Well, it's similar in the fact they'll probably all go through the tunnel. (laughs) They probably both see the tunnel of life. Okay. They'll both have an awareness of being out of their body. um, You know, so they may not be identical in terms of how that spirit experiences the the fact that they're died, that they've died. Do you know what I mean? Somebody who's slowly dying may have more of an acceptance of what's going on with them than somebody who dies fast, okay? And isn't shocked out of their body, if you know what I mean. So in terms of the acceptance of what's happening and that experience, someone who's dying slowly may have a greater acceptance, you know? It's not an absolute, like I say, because... You know, I don't think my dad, when he, he died slowly, I don't, I don't think he ever accepted the fact that he was dying, do you know? Um, so that can be different, but it does seem to me that they, they will both experience the tunnel. Are near-death experiences different for each person? Now we're talking about near-death experiences. Right, okay. Um, yeah, they are different for each person, depending on the circumstances. Uh, many people who have a near death, let's just talk about themes rather than is, are the pictures the same? Do you know what I mean? Is the actual experience identical? No, it isn't. But the conclusions that they come to might be similar. In other words, you know, most near death experiences, the person comes back experiencing a great love. They normally don't want to come back in their body. They experience this freedom and bliss okay and they come back and they see colors brighter and they have a greater love 
that's a common report, okay? Now, there are some that do not have a good experience, just like we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Okay. Is a near-death experience or a life-after-death experience a result of brain chemistry? All right, now you're opening the can of worms, Hannah. Okay, so, just a second. You see, what Source is saying is there are things that definitely happen in the brain. Okay, but those chemical responses that happen in the brain are because the person is dying. In other words, the brain will release chemicals in response to the circumstances. It's not that the chemistry happens first. Do you understand? The chemistry happens in response to what's happening. Okay, so there is a mechanism in the brain that when it perceives that the body is losing its life, it will emit chemicals that are pleasurable so that the person doesn't feel pain, okay? But that, that is not the after-death experience, and it is not the, um, it's not the near-death experience, and it's, it's not an out-of-body experience, and it's also not life-after-death experience, okay? That has to do with the spirit and the soul, what's happening, okay? Okay. Our next question. If somebody is in a coma and they die in the coma, is their experience of the death the same as somebody who was awake when they died? Okay, well, a person in a coma is awake, first of all, on a level. You know, you'll hear reports of people coming out of comas where they were aware of everybody, what everybody said to them, who was there. Um, There's a part of them that's very much awake and aware. They're just not... Their brain isn't working to bring them uh, consciousness in their body, okay? That's the difference, to make that clear. Okay. Okay, so they may have the same types of experiences because they either can understand that they're dying and welcome it, or they may not be welcoming it. You know, it's, it's the same. Do you understand? Okay. I think a lot of the common report is that people usually are not attached to their bodies. Once their spirit leaves, okay, or almost leaves, they do get this sense of liberation. And that, again, brings us back around to what Source was talking to us about, the flesh being heavy, okay? And... um, so when you achieve a liberation from that, most people who have those experiences are happy to be out of it, okay? Even though there could be part of them that wasn't necessarily ready to leave, okay? Because Perhaps, the ones yeah. that are told to come back are usually not happy about coming back unless they've had kids where they say, I, there are some that say, I have to get back to my children. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they do that knowing that in comparison... Coming back into the body, whether it's for your children or because you still have work to do, they know that it isn't going to be as blissful as where they just were. Okay. 
So somebody dying in their sleep, you know, we, we are of the perception that they died peacefully in their sleep. This is the report we usually get, mm. that somebody died peacefully in their sleep. So a person in a coma is much the same. It's, it's, a, it's a, a state of awareness, but the body is not responding. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, our next question. Can we artificially stimulate a near-death experience? Like, how would you? Well, give me an example. Well, if you mentioned about ayahuasca, for example. If one was to take uh, uh, some kind of a stimulant, if one was to take kinds of drugs... Well, that's chemistry. That's chemistry, yeah. But okay, so let me just explain the difference. When you take a hallucinogen, okay, you're altering the brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. You know, you're opening up parts of the brain chemically that normally wouldn't... Your, your brain wouldn't normally be producing those chemicals, mm-hmm. okay? So the substances in the plant cause different chemistry. Mm-hmm. You can definitely go out of your body, you know, when you're under the influence. You can definitely uh, experience other dimensions. But that's because... It's not because you're dying, though. It's because your brain chemistry has opened opened up different parts of the brain that allows you to experience those things. But what about now a you can do this you can do the same thing in meditation. You know, you can alter your brain chemistry in meditation by taking yourself to different states that open up, you know, visions and doorways to other realities. But it's not dying. Right. Okay, so go ahead from that perspective and tell me what you're Going to ask. Yes, but if, if one, if a person wanted to consciously experience a near-death experience. Well, their body would have to be dying. Could that happen from a hallucinogen? Sure. It could happen from a lot of things. Okay, so, so you could artificially stimulate a near-death experience, but the danger is you might go all the way. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But that's the body dying, and I'm making a distinction between when you're having a consciousness expansive experience, and you're still very much alive, and your body's not in danger. Do you know what I mean? Your brain chemistry's changing, you're opening up different parts of the brain. You know, you can have those experiences, but that's not dying. Right. But it could take the signal to go all the way. In that experience. Well, in some cases, but, you know, I yeah, it could in some cases. Sure. Okay. All right, our next question. Uh, in an out-of-body experience, do we ever really go anywhere? Okay. It's kind of a yes and no answer, you mm-hmm. know. Okay, mm-hmm. so hang on. Because, you know, we're again, this is when Source is saying we're going to get hung up in language and semantics, right? All right. So, you can experience, experience yourself going to other dimensions, but which are really other frequencies. But then I could say, well, really everything is within us, right? Everything is within us. So, we're going to different things that we weren't aware of, that already exist that we didn't know before, okay? But you won't experience it that way because you still believe in time 
and you believe in space and distance. And all of it's all right. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? No. Um, in other words, whether you experience that you're traveling to a, a d dimension, right? Okay. Where you've gone someplace, quote unquote. Do you know what I mean? All right. Whether you actually have or haven't isn't the point. The point is, it's all contained within us and it's all valid. So here's an example. You know for me, when I have dreams that I'm going to board a big airplane, right? Mm -hmm. And I know by the, by the size of the airplane that I'm going to different levels of consciousness. But in the dream, I'm boarding the plane to go to some place. Mm -hmm. And whether I get on the plane or whether I have a hard time getting to the gate or whether it's easy... All of that lets me know what's going on in my consciousness, okay? Because those are symbols. They're all symbols that mean things. Some are archetypal symbols, universal symbols. Some are my own symbols. But in the dream, I do perceive myself going from place to place and arriving or not arriving. Am I really? You know, probably not. Or you could say, maybe some part of me is. Yeah. So yes and yes, yes and yes. Yeah. Okay, our next question. Is quantum jumping an experience of out-of-body? And perhaps for our listeners and our viewers, maybe it might be no harm to give a very, very quick explanation of what quantum jumping is. It's a, it's a, a technique where you would enter into a quantum hallway in a meditative state and you would jump through a quantum doorway. And in that quantum space, you would have previously chosen whether it was a past life, a future life, a, a whatever, a, a dimensional space that you have previously decided upon. And then you would come back consciously out of that place through the quantum doorway and back into your waking reality, bringing back in full memory that experience. So that's quantum jumping. So the question then around that is, can you use that technique uh, in quantum jumping to experience an out-of-body experience? You can. Yeah. You can use it for that if you want to. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Is, uh, what does it take to become physically immortal? Is that really a question? That's a question, I think it was. Well, we've kind of talked about undoing the, the, the death, death urge. just seems to be a huge part of it. And, yeah. you know, what that really is, is you're moving into total joy and bliss, you know? Mm -hmm. And that, that's regenerative. And that okay. helps with the whole physical immortality. Yeah, because the reason you die is, you know, all death is in suffering is, you know, it's, it's punishment on a level. Okay? Yeah. All right. And it's belief systems. So, and the so, miracle says is it's all death is suicide. The course doesn't say that, you know. Sandra Ray and Leonard Ord would have quoted that from Rebirthing. All right. But what the course does say is is it does say you know swear not to die. Oh, you know, son of it, God. Yeah, oh, holy son of God. You know, it does come out and say that you know death isn't real. Mm. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Okay. And people take it only to mean that your spirit lives on. Okay. 
But that's not what it means. Because I've seen things reverse in this physical world by looking at something and knowing that it, death isn't real. Now you mentioned earlier on, I think it might have been in the first section of our session, about the animal nature in us, that animal part of us. And the question is, to what degree is evil part of us all? Well, then we're saying that the body is evil. We have to be careful not to say that. The flesh body is the animal body, but source isn't calling it evil. It's saying it's dark, and it has its own desires based on the, the quality of it because it's an animal nature. So, for example, um, I mean, you know, even animals in the animal kingdom, right? I mean, we, we look at instincts, for example, and it's all survival of the fittest. Um, they have to kill to eat. Animals have to kill to eat, you know, unless they're, of course, they're domesticated animals, you know, which would be a higher level of evolution for an animal, actually, okay, uh, where it's not out killing and maiming, you know, but cats hunt, dogs will hunt, okay, so most animal nature is the survival instinct in all of us, okay, but because we're bound by it, we believe in it, we believe that we have to do these things to survive. Is that really true? When you start to say, is it really true? If you're living out of your higher nature, and you and I, we've met breatharians, we've mm. met people who don't eat at all. Mm. Uh, they may drink fluids, <laughs> some of them. Mm. But, you know, there are people who go, you know, mm. months without having anything. There's people who live off of prana, people who... Um, so, so it's not an absolute truth. We're, going, we're into these absolute programs again yeah. that we have to kill to eat or even that we have to eat. Now, for our listeners, we will qualify this that that is a level of consciousness that you would have had to got to when you worked through all of your addictions to food all of your beliefs about food, where it would be a natural, spiritual evolution you'd arrive at, okay? Mm -hmm. It's not something to, for somebody to just one day say, right, I'm not going to eat anymore, okay? Because you'll starve to death because you haven't undone your beliefs. Yes. All right. So, so that lower nature in us is that animal nature that believes we have to you know, it's a survival-based thing, mm -hmm. based on needs, okay? Perceived needs. But the question is, I think the question is trying to arrive at perhaps even a percentage. Like, on average, is humanity got 20% evil and 80% good or 50-50 or, you know? Well, you know, what Source is saying is, you know, because it's not going to answer it that way. And the saying is because you have an animal nature and you're not ascended to the higher nature, you are capable of killing. You're capable of murder because you, you believe in survival. You will, you will use that nature to defend. What were you telling me a story, didn't you? Uh, who was it you were saying that was a, a somebody who had to go into battle and didn't want to kill and... It's oh, higher it's, spirit came and said, God said, or somebody, that you have to. That's Arjuna. Arjuna. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, 
there are times when that's what's necessary. But then again, you have somebody like Gandhi, who stood there and peaceful, and now he, they killed him eventually, didn't they? Now, he didn't kill, but he was killed. Okay, so are we capable of it? Everybody's capable of it if they're pushed to a survival level where it's either me or them, they're capable of it. Capable. So Not that they'll all act on it. But so does that mean that evil then is a potential? You know, I, but, but it's interesting the source doesn't want to call it evil. It's, 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 it would prefer to call it our animal nature, okay. our lower nature, okay, that you have when you're in a body. And it's a desire body. Right. Okay, and, and i got to bring that back. Because even when we talk about people, since we're speaking of life after death, and we haven't really addressed the subject of ghosts, right? Or spirits that get stuck in the astral planes. Mm -hmm. Well, it, that's usually because their desire bodies are so strong that, you know, they still have addictions. They still want to linger around people, you know, who have those addictions. So... That's an example of how desire bodies can keep you in a level, okay? Right. And so part of this purification of the lower nature is to, you know, watch your desires and be mindful of them, you know, and see what kind of quality are they. And Because when you start moving into the higher nature, your desire is only to love and be loved. Express love, love others. You know, you don't have any sort of harmful desires you don't have harmful desires anymore okay and Gil Rose that brings us to the end of our questions today and brings us to the end of the session but as is traditional with us I'm now going to read a summary of what we've covered and we have quite a few notes here because it's been quite an extensive session so we're, the notes here will cover the three segments that we've just gone through on the tunnel of light in part two because the spirit is so light, being made of light and air, we don't need energy to die or to go along the tunnel of light. The consciousness of the individuated spirit can be lost or confused depending on its own belief systems. Consciousness has a lot to do with what happens after we cross over. Being full of distortions limits us and weighs down our transition after death. The consciousness of an individual that is identified with its personality can give rise to deception after death. Being uncertain of God's love or the truth of yourself is the main cause of deception after death. If you truly understood yourself as your I am presence, there would be no room for deception in life or in death. Our bodies are a material animal body that contains darkness that can be in direct opposition to the light of spirit. It is this that gives rise to the polarity we experience as light and dark. Our lower animal nature does not require to be destroyed, but rather purified from good choices in every moment. The idea that thrust is needed after death is not true because our spirit needs no propulsion to rise. Karma 
is our own judgment about ourselves, which means we cause our own punishment. We could be making unconscious decisions during life to return to earth at any time after death. All the effects for positive or negative is an experience of a life review that can create or forgive karma. Consciousness has both frequency and vibration. Life is given to us by God's source. We exist and we are not the creators of it. If we were not made of God's stuff, we would not exist. We are the ones that keep the cycle of birth and death going. All death is punishment. The death process came into being when we forgot we were spirits and began identifying as a personality. As long as we perceive ourselves as bodies, death will continue. Death comes from not living in our higher nature. Physical life is our way of being attached to a personality. When we finish moving through the identities, we are no longer invested in the lower nature. The highest contribution we can make to the earth plane is to be in our higher nature. The tunnel of light is based on the idea that we must travel somewhere after death. Our cells collapse into a vortex after death whereby there is no time or distance. Because we believe in time, we create the tunnel of light. Our spirits are boundless, eternal and not attached to time. Life after death is a factor of consciousness, not cause and effect. Psychic attack is real and can wreak havoc with our minds. The content of our consciousness is extremely... I'm sorry, I read that wrong. The content of our consciousness is entirely up to us. The responsibility of freedom is ours. Poltergeists and ghosts are attracted to their symbiotic, co-creative, energetic counterpart. We don't consider illness as a form of suicide. The experience of one who commits suicide can be the same as one who dies naturally. Suicide can be as liberating or as terrifying an exit mechanism as any form of death. Source always loves and forgives all our mistakes. The spirit always wants to grow into its highest nature. We build a soul from the choices we make in every moment. We have no right to judge anyone for anything. Redemption is when one has become so devoid of love that it becomes intolerable to continue and the spirit rises towards perfection. Physical immortality arises when you realise there is no death. Because we perceive death as the end, it becomes the end in that experience. Undoing our unconscious death urge requires a huge amount of self-mastery. We can continue to contribute service to the world through achieving physical immortality. 
physical immortality proves God is not out to kill us. Many in a near-death state experienced relatives or beings who comfort them and reassure them, effectively helping them to detach from their bodies. Most of the people who we meet after we die are beneficent beings, but depending on your state of consciousness, it can be the case that some may be deceitful or coercive. Negative experiences show us how we have forgotten the love of God. Our discernment of energies improves with our own self-honesty. Journaling helps uncover victim patterns and returns us to power. Every time you assign authority to something outside of yourself, you hand away your personal power. Coming to any absolute conclusion about anything creates a program that must be undone as we approach self-mastery. All deaths arrive at the same out-of-body experience. Near-death experiences can be different for each person, but the conclusions can be similar. There are experiences that happen only in the brain. The brain releases, the brain releases chemicals at the onset of death. The dying experiences of a person in a coma is the same as one in an awakened state. Hallucinogens can give a chemical experience of an out-of-body experience, but the body could take the signal to go all the way. You can experience other dimensions in an out-of-body experience, but our bodily awareness keeps us tied to time and space. And finally, desire. I'm sorry, it's the last one I wrote it so quickly to get it down. Desires in the higher nature are only to love and be loved. So that brings us to the end of our session today. I'm going to ask Angel Rose to say the closing prayer. All right. Thank you, Angel Rose. That was absolutely wonderful. And thank you for taking the time to watch and listen to this session. It's been absolutely enlightening. So until next time, thank you from myself, Anu, and from Angel Rose. Thank you. You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.